Luke's Gospel, chapter 19. Because we've been talking about understanding how the system works, understanding how the kingdom works. And um, we've been talking about how people get confused and they get irritated because they want God to move in their life and, and nothing's happening or it doesn't seem to be happening. There are too many Christians who have said, well, you know, I tried it, didn't work, did the church thing, didn't work. I mean, they're just people that haven't even made a confession to Christ. And I mean, they're just, it just didn't work. Prayed it didn't work. Did the church thing, did the God thing, did everything, you know, I thought I was supposed to do. And everything came up empty and it didn't work. And we mentioned to you how we've begun to treat life a little bit like we treat our laptops and our cell phones, you know. We get a new piece of technology and instead of reading the owner's manual, we just sit around and mess with it. We just push buttons and knobs and we just mess with it until, you know, we just kind of try to figure it out. And unfortunately, sometimes we don't know how the whole thing works. That's me. I mean, my laptop, I'm quite sure, does probably several thousand different things and has features, just incredible features. All I know is I know how to get the Microsoft, you know, Word works. And, and you know, just the other day I learned how to landscape my page. I mean, that's just pretty much... You know, that, that's beyond 101. I mean, that's, that's not even 101. That's just what you ought to know. I mean, you just ought to know that. And, and I just mess with it. I mess with it until finally maybe I stumble along and I figure something out. Well, unfortunately, many people live their lives exactly the same way. They just stumble around, playing around with it, sometimes doing their own thing, pushing all the buttons, and then they get mad at God because it doesn't work. And so we've got to understand that there are some some just key foundational concepts that you've got to get into your system. And if you don't get it into your system, you'll never understand how his system works. Now, this morning, I just I started throwing just a couple things and wanted to get T-shirts and stuff out to you. And isn't it great? I mean, doing that is, is just sort of like a demonstration of, of kind of how we've come to believe what God is all about. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. Amen. And in him there is no variation or shadow of turning. And I've often said this, that when people look at you and they ask, why do bad things happen to good people? Has anybody ever said that? Why do bad things happen to good people? I mean, I think everybody's heard that. You say, what do you say, Pastor? Tell them this. You're asking the wrong question. That's the wrong question. The, the right question is this. Why do good things happen to any of us? Now, it's amazing how we don't consternate over that, do we? Because we've now lived to where we've said, obviously, I'm deserving of every good thing. I, I, good is the norm. Good is how it ought to be all the time. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we live in a world that's under a curse. We live in a world that's fallen, the Bible tells us. And because we live in this world that's fallen, evil, carnal, or fallen things should be the norm in all of our lives. So what happens is when good comes into our life, that's a God invasion. So every time you take a breath, that's God. Every time you get a paycheck, that's God. Every time, you know, someone hands you $20 in the pickup line, that's God. I mean, this is God. I mean, God. Every time you're able to drive from here to your house and you don't get in a car wreck, that's God. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. Just, I'm here. I'm, it's God. I should be dead on a highway somewhere. I've done so many things that have succumbed to the fallen nature of this world. I ought to be dead. But here I am. That's God. But you see, we've come to the conclusion that God is obligated to throw the t-shirts. We've developed our own personal doctrine that God is obligated to throw the Bible covers. And all the other things. That, that God is the great giveaway artist. And you know, here's the good news. The good news is this, that when it comes to salvation, you weren't good enough to get saved. And that was an absolute free gift that you couldn't earn, you couldn't merit. There's nothing you could do in order to get God to save you. He knew that, so he sent his son to die on a cross. And as you receive him as your personal Lord and Savior, you got the gift of salvation. That's good news. Now, that, is, that was a free gift. But can I share this with you? That not everything, once you're into the kingdom, 
functions absolutely free. And that's just the truth. Now, I'm going to share just a little bit about what I've entitled today's lesson, The Power of Being Faithful. If you don't get this lesson, let me just tell you, you thought words were important, and you thought binding and loosing was important, and you thought all those spiritual things, and they are important, I'm here to tell you this is important, to begin to understand the place faithful functions within the kingdom of God. Now, I want to read to you Luke 19. There's another similar parable that Jesus will have spoken in Matthew's Gospel 25. But I want to read the Luke account. And so if you have your Bibles, Luke 19. I'm going to begin with verse 11. And I just want you to listen to this. I know you know it, but listen carefully. It says, now, as they heard these things, and he's been talking about Zacchaeus. At this point, he just dealt with Zacchaeus. As they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because, and I've underlined this in my Bible, they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Now, I underline that in my Bible. Therefore, he said in verse 12, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called 10 of his servants, delivered to them 10 minas, which as I understand, about three months of wages. And he said to them, do business till I come. But, it says, his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first saying, Master, your mina has earned ten minas. In other words, that's a big return, isn't it? And he said to him, listen, well done, good servant. Because you were faithful. Now remember that. Faithful in a very little have authority over ten cities. And the second came saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. And likewise, he said to him, you also be over five cities. Then another came saying, Master, here's your mina, which I have kept put away in a handkerchief. For I feared you because you are an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit. You reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, out of your own mouth, I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit, reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank that at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to him who has ten minas. Now, that's not fair. But they said to him, Master, he has ten minas. Do you hear the mind working there? The wheels are turning. Verse 26, for I say to you that to everyone who has will be given. And from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. But bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. Wow. The power of being faithful. I I will not read to you Matthew chapter 25, beginning with verse 14, as I mentioned, there was a similar parable. It's not exactly the same, but it's very similar with regards to this uh, as Jesus tells them another parable regarding talents and passing out particular talents. That's money as well. And in that particular passage, as they deal with the talents rightly, the master says, well done, you good and faithful servant. You good and faithful servant. Now, I decided to read the account in Luke's Gospel because the context tells us that there was a misconception that was going on about the Kingdom of God. The disciples, as we just read to you, thought that that somehow or another the full manifestation of the rule of God or the Kingdom of God was near. They thought it was going to happen immediately. They thought some things were just going to take place instantaneously and apparently they're excited, apparently they're, they're talking about it. Apparently, there's something going on here that catches Jesus' attention. And as I begin to just meditate on it, I, I thought that I can deduce, at least from the parable, that they were obviously beginning to speak, but in all likelihood, they were probably beginning to act as if 
that great, glorious, wonderful manifestation was going to happen perhaps in just 24 hours and how many of you know if God's going to do something and, and we really feel like he's going to do it quick, fast and in a hurry, it is easy in that short period of time maybe to get just a little slack or to get just a little lazy or maybe not to just be as obedient as you need to be in the things of God and in the things of the kingdom. Why should I invest too much energy in this thing if I know I'm just around the corner from payday. So he begins to hear this, see this, think about this. And the parable, I believe, becomes a reminder to them and ultimately to us of how the kingdom works. And how the Lord releases position. How he releases influence. How he releases even abundance to his people. I mean, I don't know about you, but if I were to say anyone here interested in having influence... Anyone interested here in having resource? Anyone interested here in, in, in maybe seeing God give you a, a, a raise, a career change, a promotion, any of these sorts of things? Is anyone here interested in those kind of things? Well, I'll just ask. Anyone here interested in some things like that maybe going on in your life? I, I, I think that probably is almost 100%. So what Jesus says to them right here, because they were always concerned about this in so many of their interactions, Jesus speaks to them about what it means to be faithful. And I can also say that because there are at least two long parables that were recorded about this subject, Jesus must have emphasized this on numerous occasions. And I can only surmise from all of that that much like today, there could be a misunderstanding as to what faithfulness was all about. Now, the first thing I want to do is I just want to clear up just a little confusion because as is often the case, a lot of times we don't really understand what the concept is. And so let me clear up some confusion, and let's start by stating what faithfulness is not. This might be the easiest way to go after it. What faithfulness is not? Number one, it is not working for your salvation. That's not, that's not faithfulness. Faithfulness is not somehow meriting, working, or striving in order to be saved. In, in fact, I'll just be honest with you, many people justify their lack of faithfulness by saying, well, I don't have to do anything to be saved. And that justifies their unfaithfulness. And that's true. Let me just say, they are true to an extent. You don't have to work or somehow merit God's salvation happening in your life. But we have corrupted, I believe we've corrupted the concept of faithfulness uh, to kind of fit our, our, our plagued consciences. You know, whenever we're walking against the kingdom of God, whenever we're walking against those precepts of the kingdom, our conscience will be plagued. Amen. Sure it will. Anytime you're at variance with what the heart of God is, he will begin to plague you in your conscience. And, and so there's this plaguing that's going on. And, and because we're human beings and we don't like our consciences messed with, we try to think of all sorts of ways to get our conscience cleansed or to get that feeling out. And so what we do is, instead of coming to the cross and repenting and doing what we need to do in order to implement that which God has said, what we do is we redefine everything in order that we fit better into it. And so here we are with this particular thing, and, and I'm just pointing out that these people in the parables were called servants. They were servants of the master. So that tells me they had at least some level of relationship. So I, I have no problem looking at these servants and perhaps even saying they were saved people. I don't believe they were probably being used to talk to someone that didn't know God or didn't know what it meant to be in relationship with him. But I want to remind everyone here, Philippians 2.12 says that we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Now that's in the Bible. And what that means is it means... Or at least it doesn't mean that you keep your salvation by your continued works. But can I just say this? And there's a real, there's a real line here that we got to get a hold of. And that is your faith, though, is expressed in a progressive, obedient participation in the things of God. You can't say you love God and not serve him and not want to obey him. You can't sit there and be alienated in all that you do and the ways of God and somehow come up and say you love him. Jesus will say, I never knew you. Something ain't working right in there. So understand it's not working for your salvation, but it is an expression of obedient participation in the things of God. Number two, faithfulness is not being under the law. 
It is not being under the law. And it's a lot like what we just mentioned. Anytime we're confronted with a lack of obedience in our life or a lack of faithfulness in our life, we drop back to, well, you know, I've been freed from the law. You're trying to put me under the law. No, I'm trying to get you faithful. Oh, no, I've been freed from the law. No, we're trying to get you obedient. That's not the obedience in the law. Obedience is obedience. What that means is when people say I've been freed from the law, I've learned this now in the culture that God has set me in. I have learned this, that anytime someone looks at me and usually when they say I've been freed from the law, what that means is don't have any expectations on me. That's what it means. We need to grasp that there are expectations in the heart of God. Can I say that again? There are expectations in the heart of God. Think about this for just a minute when it comes to relationship. Think about how if you're in a, in a relationship, it could be a family relationship, marriage relationship, it, it could be work relationships, it could be friendship relationships, but you think about this for just a minute. In every relationship in your life, there are expectations. Are there not? I mean, you have expectations. You have certain things that you would expect to receive from your spouse, certain things you would expect to receive from your family. There are expectations within relationship, and that's not bad. It's how it should be. So why is it that we don't think that when we have relationship with God, there might not be some expectations in his heart as well? How can you say you love somebody when you do exactly the opposite of what love entails? It happens all the time, I'm telling you, when people come to their relationship with God. And then number three, faithfulness is not the hoops you jump through to get your way. I've heard people say this to me for years. Well, you know, I've done everything you've asked of me, or I've done everything God has asked of me, and, well, I just think it's time for payday. I went, I went the course. I jumped through the hoops. I did everything that I've been asked to do. It, it seems to me that now's the time to open up the door. Faithfulness, listen to me, faithfulness has a payday, but the motive of being faithful is that you want to serve God in the situations he places you in and with the things that he puts in your hand, whether or not you get some payday. These people didn't know their payday before they got their minas and their talents. He handed them something. He said, basically, be faithful with it. And they were faithful with it. So it's not something saying, yeah, if I work this right, yeah, man, it's, it's payday. And how many times have we been, been, been in a situation that God has placed us in and we've had an unrealistic expectation that somehow people were our source and God was not our source and we've done the, the process and we've done what we've been asking all of a sudden we come up to the end and all of a sudden when we come up to the end we say this ought to happen and it doesn't happen how many of you know right now there are people who go to work every day and they clock in and they clock out and they do a lot of right things but they're just like the guy with the one mina they don't really lose anything they don't really gain anything but they don't get why they don't get that's just life. It works that way to some extent in the kingdom of God as well. Now, let me just share with you, there are two sides of being faithful. The first side is this, being faithful to God. Faithful to God. Now, what does it mean to be faithful to God? Well, it just means that you begin to participate in that which he asks of you. Being in his house, worshiping him, reading the word, witnessing your faith. I understand there's 24 hours in a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, and we are finite human beings. And I understand that not everything can be done all at once, and, and I understand all of those things. But truth of the matter is that we can prioritize our life, and we can bring those priorities under the lordship of Jesus Christ as we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And the Bible says all the rest will be added unto us. So we have to understand that, that there's a faithfulness to God. There's a faithfulness to doing what he asks of us to do. And when no one else sees us, when no man sees us, when no other person sees us, we can still be faithful to God. If, if I leave town and I'm out of state and I cross state lines, all of a sudden the, the faithfulness issue doesn't get suspended. And I say to myself, oh, I'm in North Carolina, praise God. Where, where is, where's, the, where's Harris Casino? I can go in there, praise God. Because, you know, it only works. In state lines. I'm on a cruise. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo. -wee. There's still faithfulness to God. Amen? Amen. Believe it or not, when you're out in the middle of the Caribbean, God still knows. <laughs> so we need to be faithful. 
We're faithful because that's who we are, not just what we do in order to look good. It is who we are as unto him. And unfortunately, we even tend to play around with him on this because, because, you know, God's love, God's mercy, God's all of this, and he is that, but somehow we're always yanking him around. And so we've got to understand that he is serious about faithfulness. Now, that's the first one. Now, what does he do in order to help us see our faithfulness? Well, this is number two, and this is the part that really will rub people, is that there's a faithfulness to man, a faithfulness to man. I, I was thinking about this. And as I was looking at the parable here in Luke 19, 14, it, it says here, if you'll read carefully, right about verse 13, 14, and 15, right in that particular area, it says that when this nobleman leaves, apparently he puts somebody in charge that nobody likes. Did you, did you see that? It says that the citizens hated him, sent a delegation after him. And I learned from my son that the notes at the bottom of the Bible are the cheat notes. So that's what I learned from Clayton. So using the cheat notes once again, it says here that they felt Jesus was playing off an historical event, that one ruler was left and another ruler was appointed and everybody didn't like the new ruler. I don't know, maybe this has never happened to you. I, I, I've worked at places where, number one is, I found out that I didn't like the person I was working for. And I've also worked at places where I started out with one person and then another person got put in sometimes a supervisory position, and it was like the rules got changed on me in the middle of it, and I found out I didn't like them. What do you do when you don't like who you're under? Let, let me just suggest this to you. Has it ever crossed your mind that if the steps of the righteous are ordered, and God puts you in a place, or he puts you at a job, or he puts you somewhere where all of a sudden something happens to you that's beyond your control, and maybe somebody's giving you oversight that you don't know, you don't like, you aren't sure about, or whatever particular emotion or feeling you may have. Has it ever crossed your mind that maybe God put them there in order to reveal just how much faithfulness works in your life? Oh, isn't God good? Oh, he loves you so much, he gave you a terrible boss. He loves you so much, he changed supervisors on you. He loves you so much. Hey, I believe that happens all the time in America. I believe all the time he gives us congressmen and senators and presidents all the time to find out whether or not we'll be faithful. Sure he does. Sure he does. Because I'll tell you what, obedience and authority and faithfulness and servanthood and all of these concepts, you never know if they're really real in your heart until they're put in the most difficult of circumstances. It's like what I used to say, everybody's submitted until they hear no. It's an aspect we don't get about faithfulness. This is, I just wrote this down. I said, you know how God says that we're to love in fact, he says that we can't say we love him unless we love one another. That's a Bible, right? He says, how can you say you love God whom you haven't seen when you don't love your brother whom you have seen? So he, he connects how we are with him. He begins to connect that with how we begin to work and treat and interact with one another. It's a precept. God finds out if we understand his ways by putting us in earthly situations to find out what is really in us. I mean, how can you say you're a servant of God if you never choose to serve one another? Is that not right? That God says, how can, how can you receive his forgiveness if you won't forgive one another? I mean, is it not interesting that everything is connected in, in like these two different directions? So how can you be faithful to God unless you demonstrate faithfulness in earthly things and even with earthly people? Now, I understand they ain't God, but at the same time, it's the same way we love. If, when I'm loving my brother, that's unlovable. When I'm loving the person that's just you want to slap silly. When you're, when you're loving the person that you just don't even want to interact with. When you're loving him, God says you're demonstrating that agape is working in you. So you must love God. They ain't God, believe me. But if I can love that, if I can genuinely function in love, then I'm demonstrating something that's in me and towards him. Well, the same is with faithful. Same is with serving. I mean, we could go down the list. Let me read Proverbs 20, verse 6. Turn over to the book of Proverbs real quick, verse 6. 
Proverbs 20, verse 6. It says, most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? I, I just stumbled across that verse. Most men will proclaim his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? This is what that verse is telling us. It's telling us that, that for many, many people, we will announce our own sense of what is right and wrong. We have no problem announcing our own particular viewpoint of what our goodness is and, and how we're right. And, and of course, whenever we do that, we cut ourselves all kinds of slack. But this is what God says. He says, I don't really care how much you announce how good you are or, or, or how right or wrong or whatever it is you're announcing. He says, each man tends to do that. We tend to announce our own goodness. He says, what I'm looking for is that which is faithful. Who can find a faithful man? Now, I, I just find it fascinating as we begin to talk about, and you'll want to change the screen, I want to talk about some concepts of faithfulness here. But I find it fascinating that the master here in Luke's gospel does not uh, give everyone, well, excuse me, in Matthew's gospel does not give everyone the same amount of something. In fact, in both of these parables, we see just some different features of how the master relates to us. He doesn't give in Matthew the same amount to everybody, and then later on, he doesn't give them the same rewards. But he expects everyone to be faithful with whatever he placed in their hand at that particular moment. And there are just five concepts, and, and we might be able to talk a lot about faithfulness, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to teach you this morning how the kingdom works. And this is a very natural precept that will unlock some supernatural things, if you really will get a hold of it. Five things, five concepts about being faithful you need to grasp if you want to see God work more consistently in your life. And number one is the word consistency. Consistency. Now, I'm going to read just several verses. Bear with me. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 19, verse 17, it says, And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful in a very little, have authority over ten cities. Now turn back a couple chapters to Luke 16.10. And again, he's in the same general area. And he says, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. And then finally, I can quote it off the top of my head. In fact, we taught this at... School of Leaders Discovery class the other night, Zechariah 4.10, because it says there, who will despise the day of small beginnings? Who will despise the day of small beginnings? You'll never be promoted in the things of God until you understand that you must have consistency in your life. I mean, God will not promote, he'll not release resource. If you can't, if you can't handle and, and begin to be faithful with 10 bucks, why would he give you 10 million? Are you with me? I mean, we've got to understand that God's looking for some consistency in our life. Consistency is, is really one of the key issues in our world as to keep our testimony straight. Amen? Because I'm telling you, for a lot of people, their, their greatest hindrance to coming into the kingdom is our hypocrisies and our inconsistencies. And when they say that, the easiest thing you can do is say, well, you're probably right. There's a lot of hypocrisies and inconsistencies within the church and even within the kingdom. But can I just say this? There's a lot of hypocrisy in real estate, too. There's a lot of hypocrisy in, at the electric company. There's hypocrisy in, in the marketplace. There's hypocrisy all over the place. If hypocrisy is going to all of a sudden cause you to not do something, then you better quit your job because I could go to your job right now and I'll find me three hypocrites before the morning's over. It doesn't bother you, does it? You'll just go right on into work despite those hypocrisies and inconsistencies and you'll just go, you'll just go right to work. You'll send your kids straight off to school, even though there's incredible inconsistencies and hypocrisies in the public school. We'll send them up. We'll get them up. We'll, we'll drag their carcasses out of bed in the morning, make them get cleaned up, brush their teeth. You will go to school. Boy, but the instant they look at you and say, Mom, Dad, there's just hypocrisy at church, we go, Ooh. we couldn't let little Junior be a part of that. Well, dear God, you let little Junior be a part of all sorts of hypocrisies, probably including your home. <laughs> but having said that, that, that doesn't all of a sudden give us an out to the issue of consistency. 
Consistency. We ought to be working at this. And when, when we begin to function in consistency, we're not meriting God's salvation. We're not somehow dragging him down to cause us to be saved. But we're being faithful. We are being consistent. We want to be obedient more and more every day. I want to be transformed from glory to glory, from faith to faith. I want to be more obedient tomorrow than I was today. And faithfulness starts when you don't have all that much or it doesn't seem all that important. But God looks and sees what you'll do even with just a little thing. A little thing. I, I mean, we, we've got to get a hold of this. I mean, whether it, you know, we talk a lot about finance and I don't mean to, but it's just the little things. God will entrust you a little thing that you'll say that's not important. And, 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 and it's very important to God. I, I, let me ask you just things. Are you on time? Do you make an effort to be on time to things? It's just, well, you say, well, it's just a little thing. Well, okay. Then, then you won't mind if God's not on time with you. Because God is faithful, right? I mean, are you dependable? I mean, can people set their watch by your character? I mean, why would God grant us greater opportunities when we're not consistent with what's in our hand? And this is what the parable is talking about. They are given authority. They're given rulership. They're given influence. They are given incredible things. But it starts by their being consistent. He gave them something that was his, and they were consistent with it. Do you, just this point. If we could get this point in our system, do you realize we'd probably win half the world just by being consistent? Amen. Come on now, the body of Christ has got to arise and become consistent. We're not acting and being and functioning like them. If you're a Christian employee, you ought to be there when work starts. You ought to leave when the clock says it's time to go. I mean, you just ought to. You ought to give a good day's work for a good day's wage. You just ought to be faithful to whatever God puts in front of you. And don't look at me and say, you don't understand my boss. I don't like him. He's unrighteous. He's this. He's that. Go back and read the parable. God wants to know if you'll function with him Faithfully, he knows how you'll do with a faithful God. Consistency. Number two, just talking about being faithful, is accountability. This is what's really, it's almost humorous to me in some ways. But here's the master, and he gives, he gives these servants, no matter what parable you're reading, he gives these servants money. He hands them money. And, he's, and he says, do business with this money. I'm going to come back. And when he comes back and he checks up on the money, the servants didn't say, what money? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean money? You got a photograph of that moment? I didn't sign anything. What money? See, a faithful person doesn't mind being accountable somewhere to someone. Ask yourself truthfully, are you really accountable to anyone? Anyone? I know what people say. I'm accountable to God. You know, you know what that means? It means, no, I'm not accountable. Because God will always cut you slack. I understand how God is with you. I mean, but can anybody really get down to nuts and bolts and speak truth to you? Can they somehow, and I'm not talking about, you know, just blasting you. I, I understand no one likes to get blasted. No one wants just to have anybody jump into their life and, and just chirp at them. I understand. But, but you ought to have somebody, usually an authority in your life, somebody that you look at, you look at and say, I want to hear truth. I want to hear the real raw deal. And if that be true, that when they speak it, you don't go, oh, can't believe you said that to me. I can't believe it. You're not my friend. Well, no, I'm not your friend. I'm trying to keep you accountable. There will be no maturity unless you determine you want some accountability in your life. God won't promote you unless there's some of this. And there was accountability even within the parables. That's a part of being faithful. Is somewhere or another letting someone talk into your life. Number three, I got to keep going. Loyalty. Luke 16 and 12. It says that if you've not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? So God says this. God says that, that there has to be a sense of loyalty in the earth. Loyalty is a lost concept in America. You know, it used to be, and, and this is just an observation. I'm not really critiquing it. I, I don't understand. I'm not a, an economics major. 
or a guru. I, I don't understand all the marketplace dynamics, but I'm just an observer of things. And I can tell you that in my short lifetime, my 47 years, my short lifetime, that, that I watched, for instance, in the upstate of South Carolina, there were all these mill villages. And, and the mills ruled. You could go to Detroit or Michigan, and the auto industry ruled. You could go to Akron, Ohio, and the tire industry ruled. And it was interesting that in those particular eras, not, not too long ago, that if you went to work for one of these companies or corporations, I mean, you would, you would have several generations of people who would have worked at those plants. I, I mean, you know, my, my granddad and my dad, and now I'm working here, and, and, and the company tended to be loyal to the employee, and the employees were loyal to the company. And, and something happened in all of that. Now, I, I'm not blaming anyone. I'm not blaming companies necessarily, and I'm not blaming employees. But somewhere, something happened. Because I'm here to tell you, companies will lay people off in a heartbeat. And employees will jump here to there for 25 extra cents an hour. Now, I'm just here to tell you, I don't, I don't understand all of that, and I understand everybody's got to do what they got to do, but can you begin to comprehend that we've sort of lost a sense of loyalty in our era? Loyalty just doesn't exist anymore. I mean, we're just, we're just not loyal. We're not loyal in our relationships. We're not loyal in business. We're just not loyal. And, and, and part of being faithful is a sense of loyalty. Loyalty is a good thing. I'll, I'll say that again. Loyalty is a good trait. I've had people look at me and they've actually encouraged me to have people come around me that, that, that would actually be disloyal. Like, right. I mean, I was born at night, but not last night. Somehow we merit. We merit some understanding of, of making sure that people are always, are always a little bit looking askance. Loyalty is a good thing. It's a good thing. And these servants were found faithful and loyal to their master who entrusted to them wealth. It's interesting. I read the Bible and Paul at the end of his letters, he endorsed or recommended people to the churches. Have you ever read? I know most of the time we don't read that stuff because it's just a bunch of names and it's not what we think the meat of the gospel. But sometimes go to Paul's letters and just like read the last chapter. Just, just read the last chapter of every letter and you'll see all these people that he'll talk about. He'll say so and so sends greetings. You know, so-and-so says hi. So-and-so is with me. He's doing well. But it's interesting how there were several endorsements as you go through there that he looked at, and this is how he described them. He said, like people like Onesimus, he says he is a faithful servant. Isn't that interesting? He is a faithful servant. Silvanus, he was a faithful servant. Tychicus, he was a faithful servant. He called these people faithful servants. Now, it's interesting because it just wasn't this sort of title he gave to everybody. Because as you'll recall, there was a guy by the name of Demas who also traveled with him. And, and there was a moment when he said to another church, he said, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. And what he was saying was Demas gave his allegiance somewhere else. His loyalty shifted and they went somewhere else. And now he's not a faithful servant. And so we've got to understand a part of faithfulness is loyalty. It works in there as well. Number four, trustworthy. Trustworthy is a part of faithfulness as well. Trustworthy to me indicates a track record. It's a track record. Trust doesn't occur overnight. Trust takes time. It takes time handling things with integrity. It takes time handling things with uprightness. That's why God doesn't give us things instantly. He wants to know if he can trust us with it. You've heard me tell the illustration. It's been some years ago. But um, I can remember, you know, Clayton's here, and, and, and I love having my, my oldest son with me. I can remember years ago when he was reaching into his teenage years, and he would be asking me if, if he could drive. He'd be asking me if, if he could begin to do what every teenager longs to do, and that is give me the wheels, give me the keys. Give me my autonomy. Give me my independence. And, and he, like other teenagers, want that particular moment. And, you know, he'd heard me tell the stories because, I, you know, you've heard the stories of me in western Kansas and being on the farm. And when, when, you're, when your leg was long enough to depress the clutch, you were driving on the farm. And so, you know, I was driving when I was 12 years old. I was, I was driving the big grain trucks at 13. I mean, so he'd heard all those stories. And, of course, now he'd heard Dad tell all the stories. And here comes the moment that it's his turn. 
And so he starts asking and wanting to drive, and that's a natural thing that goes on in his life as it would in any teenager's life. But how many of you know if, if, if I were to reach into my pocket and I were to toss my son or if you were to toss your son or daughter the keys at about age 13, they aren't on the farm, they've not been trained, they're clueless, despite what they testify to. <laughs> and you just threw them the keys, how many of you know you'd be throwing them their death warrant? Because, because they simply haven't proven themselves, they haven't gone through certain processes, they haven't become trustworthy with these certain items. That's how it works in life. You, you, you're given little things in order to be trustworthy, in order to get the great things. I hope you guys are listening to me over here because I'm telling you right now, at this age in your life, you are sowing things and you are doing things to demonstrate to mom and dad whether or not when you're 17, 18, 19 years old, whether you can be released in the fullness of liberty that ultimately you're going to want. I hope you listen to me because I'm telling you, this is how it works. And it will work for you the same way when you have children. Because once you have children, your biggest concern is you don't find them dead on a highway somewhere. Or they're found in some location with people they ought not be with because you trusted them to do what you asked them to do. Now that's not being hard. It's not really being anything but a parent wanting the best for you and trying to provide a protection for your future. But if you can't get from your house to school the right way, why should we believe that you could go on an overnight with some of your friends? See, are you with me? All right, I'm not, I'm not picking on you. I don't understand, I'm not picking with you. But I'm just saying that's how it works. And it's going to work that way in your life too. Because right now, you're, if you're blowing it, don't, don't be mad at your parents. That's why God made your knee go like this, because you can kick yourself right there. I mean... It ain't mom and dad's fault. Dude, we're just trying to keep you alive to get you out of the house. That's, that's a high priority. My Lord. It is. It's your worst nightmare, is it not, mom and dad, about 11 o'clock at night to get a phone call? I'm not kidding. I've got teenagers. I mean, I'm glad I've, my children have given me little reason for concern but there's nothing that there's nothing that I sent Clay over to Australia as an adult but I guarantee you this and, and I know he wasn't a perfect child but I can tell you this there were certain things that he did do right in his life that gave us as parents the beginnings of confidence that if we released him into a foreign country he just wouldn't lose his mind Now, I'm grateful for that, but there are some young people I see, and I'm, I'm not talking about our young people. We have a lot of good young people, and I, I do. I, we have a lot of great young people. But I've watched young people all over the place. You can't, you can't, let, them, you can't let them drive out of the neighborhood before they get a brain cramp. <laughs> Trustworthiness. Now, think about that. If that's how it works in earth, what do you think God's doing with us? Pastor goes away for one week. How many know when the cat's away? Now, we got a good report. I heard there weren't that many mice playing last Sunday. So <laughs> we're grateful for that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Are, are, you, are you hearing what I'm saying? I mean, you got to be trustworthy. And, I, and maybe, nobody, maybe nobody in the natural knows anything. I will assure you, God still knows and let me tell you something, as a parent, I can't release his total destiny. As, as a parent, your parents can't release your destiny. Other people can't release you all's destiny. You need to understand God's the releaser of purpose and destiny. And if you're jacking him around, that's the most important person of all, whether anyone else knows or not. Faithful, faithful. Luke 16, 11 says, therefore, if you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, or he's talking about money at that point, who will commit to you, to your trust, the true riches? He's just saying if you can't handle, you know, some natural things, you're not going to get spiritual things. Trustworthy. Then finally, number five, this is all about being faithful. Most people don't understand faithful. I'm, that's why I'm spending time on this, because if I were to ask the question, are you a faithful person? 
everybody would go, yes. And you know why we all say yes? It's because we all define it our way. It's like, are you a loving person? Have you ever seen on, on like the morning talk shows or anything like that when somebody tragically will pass away? I mean, they'll tragically pass away and, or, or something will have happened and they will interview the family or friends or somebody with regards to that person. And they'll ask them, describe to me John Doe who just passed away. Oh, he was a great person. Never met a person he didn't like. He'd have done anything for you. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, they, they, they could have been a scoundrel and an axe murderer. I mean, no joke. And, and every time I hear that, it's not that I don't believe it's, it could be true. I'm not, there's no judgment involved in it. I'm just simply saying we define it however we define it. There are some people say, well, well, yeah, I killed somebody, but I wasn't Adolf Hitler. So I'm okay. Or in recent days, we can do armed robbery at Food Lion, and they're still a good kid. Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to have to work that one over a little bit. I believe they want to be now. Last one, number five, authority. Authority links up to faithfulness with regards to can you work under someone else? How about someone you don't even like? We've already mentioned that. I don't believe you'll ever understand faithful until you get authority because the two go hand in hand. You can't be faithful with that which is another's unless you're under the authority of that one. They were faithful servants. One comes under the other. And everybody needs to be faithful and under authority in their life. You need that in your life. Now, I want you to notice, and I'm, and I'm, 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 I'm going to stop right now. Notice what the rewards were. The Bible says this, that they were given rule and authority over cities. It's interesting that, that the master gave them money, apparently, and as they were faithful with this little bit of money, he gives them authority or rulership or influence in the cities that they were a part of. Now, this is what you need to understand. Right now, God has put things before you. He has put things in your hand. He has put things in front of your face, and he's asking you to be faithful with it. And the reason sometimes we don't want to be faithful with what's in front of us is because we cannot make the connection of why this thing has anything to do with that which we ultimately believe God is going to lead us to. We say to ourselves, well, why should I be faithful here? Why should I be faithful changing tires at the tire store when ultimately I am supposed to be this, this, this preacher to the nations? Or why should I be faithful in this retail business and selling shirts and dresses when ultimately I'm supposed to be the chief executive officer of this particular company that has nothing to do with this particular field? you got to understand that God puts you in situations and says this, if you will handle this well, I'll open a door to your destiny. And when it opens, the only way people will be able to explain it is that God opened the door. Because it wasn't your resume. It wasn't who you knew. It wasn't anything like that. It had absolutely everything to do with God. Are you hearing me? We're always working the system. When God says, understand how the system works. That's what we're always doing. We're always trying to figure out how do I get an open door in this area? How do I do this? How do I do When you need to be faithful with what's in front of you, and God will open up those doors. In Proverbs 28, 20, and I'm done. Hallelujah. Proverbs 28, 20. It says, a faithful man will abound with blessing. A faithful man will abound with blessing, but he who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. Let me tell you, I could read and read and read and read. I'll just, I'll just bring it down to this. Faithful. Everyone say faithful. faithful. One more time. Faithful. Get that in your system. Do you understand that, that faithful isn't being faithful for a week? And then saying, God has to move. Faithful is not just going after it a month and then thinking, well, I've, I've done my best, so I don't have to do any more. That's not faithful. Faithful is like what it says about Moses when he was faithful for 40 years. 
Oh, my Lord. You say, well, doesn't God understand that time's a-wasting? No, because a day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years is as a day to the Lord. He doesn't care about your concept of time. He really doesn't. Time, he, he is so unaffected by time. When we're going free, God's going. He says, it's your fault you function under that time stuff. You all, know, you all know when Adam and Eve were created, they were created to live forever, right? Do you understand that when we, we were created as the human race, we were created to live forever. So do you understand that originally God's intent was that time would never be a factor? That was his original intent. Time would never be a factor. But what did we do? We got a brain cramp. Eve ate the fruit, gave it to Adam. He ate it as well. Death came into the scenario. And now that there's a death date, time becomes a factor. And so the whole time, we're trying to drag God into our curse. We're trying to drag him into our moment, saying, you need to work faster, work faster, do faster. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. And God says, get faithful. And if you're faithful, even if it's for a decade, two, three, four decades, and you don't feel like you've seen much, can I just say this? Moses and Abraham and others were faithful for decades as well, and there was a time God came through, and in a split instant, he can restore the years, and he can redeem the time, and he can make up in a week what you sowed for years. Yes, he can. He can do it that fast. If you just stay Faithful, faithful, faithful. It's hard, isn't it? But it's, but it's a concept of the kingdom. If you decide, I'm going to get faithful, I'm going I'm to do, start doing that. I'm going I'm I'm to start seeing everything in life as an opportunity to be faithful. And as I demonstrate my love, and as I demonstrate my serving, and as I demonstrate my forgiveness, I'm going to demonstrate my faithful. So he'll open up the windows for me and pour me out that which is his will and his heart and his destiny for my life. Amen. Amen. That's the power of being faithful. Stand with me, will you? Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you right now that in this place, Lord, there are faithful people. In this place, there are those who, when confronted with an opportunity to shortcut or just sort of trim the edges and, and really not walk the walk or talk the talk, Lord, that uh, you just instilled them a resoluteness and a tenacity to be faithful. I thank you for those, Lord. But Lord, I also know within a congregation and our, our people are getting to the size, Lord, that, that I'm quite sure that you can speak to some that are in here right now and Lord I, I'm praying right now that you'll begin to point out work and deal and begin to instill in us the need to be faithful faithful, 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 faithful it's Paul who said to Timothy that, that when he received those insights that he was to turn and, and give them to faithful men also Lord faithful is what you're looking for you're just not looking for the most talented, talent's great, skill's wonderful, but faithful goes a long way with you. So Lord, I pray right now that Lord, we'd begin to evaluate and reprioritize that which we need to do in our life in order that we can begin to walk in faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for talking to us that the burden isn't too great for us to bear, but it's a challenge because destiny's at stake. Lord, there are people in this congregation right now Lord, that you have, you have a plan for their life that entails rulership and great influence. You have plans that are going on in this congregation for people that entail, Lord, uh, wonderful doors opening in order to do incredible, exceeding, abundant things. Lord, that's the type of God you are. You, you release that kind of purpose and promise upon our lives. But Lord, we shut it down ourselves when we determine we don't want to be faithful or we somehow redefine it and then we get irritated with you when it doesn't happen so Lord help us right now to humble ourselves and say Lord 
I submit my definition to you right now. You can change it. Rearrange it in me. And Lord, let it beget life in me right now in the name of Jesus. I don't speak duty. There's no duty to this. This is life. You get revelation of this and life will spring up to you. Lord, let life spring up in your people right now. Realizing that as they're steady and consistent and trustworthy and, and loyal and all the things we've talked about, Lord, that as they do this, you are preparing for them a future. Lord, I especially pray for these young people. Lord, I thank you for their lives. I thank you, Lord, that there is latent potential that exists in them right now. And Lord, I know the enemy would love to snuff some of it out, but we ask for your protection. We ask for your oversight. And Lord, I ask that you would unveil their eyes, even at this young age, that they might know all the days of their life a faithful walk. So that, Lord, they not be disqualified for all that you have for them. Work it in them, Lord. We love them. We want the best for them. As a parent, Lord, I know how that feels. I want my children. And, Lord, I want my youth to succeed and do great things. Help them to understand it's about being faithful, about being faithful. Thank you, Lord, you're working it in us right now. I'm not going to give an invitation on this one, so don't, don't spaz or anything on me here for just a minute, but this is what I want to do. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I just want you to acknowledge to God, and I'm not going to have this group come out. I'm not going to do that. I just feel like that's not what I'm going to do. But I want you right now to get just real honest. And, and if God started to speak to you about areas of your life that you need to just shore up some faithfulness in, I don't want you to be ashamed or prideful. You know, pride has, has cut more people off from the destiny of God than any singular thing. But you've got to just say, you know what, that's me. And, and I acknowledge it. You're not acknowledging it to me. You're just saying, God, that's me. I, I hear you talking. I hear you, sir. And, and it's going to be dealt with. Lift it right now. Just lift it to the Lord right now. Numbers. numbers. You're just saying, Lord, that's me. That's me. Thank you. Put your hands down. Lord, you saw the hands. And you obviously spoke to some of your folk. So, Lord, help them now when it's all said and done to adjust those areas. Not, don't let it be an emotional moment. Don't, don't let it be something that they're just stirred for the moment. But let them follow through, I pray. Because, Lord, you got a good plan for them. You really do. You love them. Wow, you love them. You really do. So, Lord, help us to see that. Now, with every head bowed and every eye still closed, if, you're not, if you've not been faithful in your relationship to Jesus Christ. I'm going to give an invitation right now that if, that if you're alienated with God right now because you've been wayward and rebellious, you've not been faithful with regards to your absolute obedience to Him, if you've never made a confession of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you're needing to get things right with God because right now your relationship with Him is at best tentative if it's there at all. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to raise your hand for me right now. your hands down. I want everyone in the congregation to pray this with me right now. Everyone join with me. Say, Dear Jesus, I thank you this morning that you spoke to my heart. I confess with my mouth every unfaithfulness and waywardness and sin. I repent and I turn to you as you're empowering me I declare Jesus as Lord, that by his power, he's raising me up into newness of life. I receive that power now to do what I have not done, to be what I have not been. I shall arise and I shall be faithful. It shall be said of me, I was a faithful person to the Lord my God. And I trust you, Lord, in the time schedules to bring to pass your goodwill in my life. I trust you and receive you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Give the Lord a big hand, will you please? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Understanding how the system works. Plug it in now, okay? As I release you right now, you got to walk through those doors and you got to plug it in. You can't just say, well, that's a good sermon. Wasn't that a good sermon? 
That's a good sermon. And I got a t-shirt too. <laughs> you can't beat that going to church. Plug it in, man. You got to plug it in tomorrow morning. For some of you, you got to get up tomorrow morning. You got to crack that Bible open before you leave. Be faithful. Some of you tomorrow morning, before you jump in the car, you just once you get in the car, you're off and running. You don't think about it. You got you got to find you got to find some minutes you can get away with God and you can pray. Start being faithful in that area. You hearing me? I mean, you got to start this tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning. Some of you right now, God has, has dealt with you and talked to you in other areas that I couldn't even name. If I were to throw out here and name it, I, I, I probably wouldn't even know it. you got to get up tomorrow morning and start being faithful. God is with you to help you. You cooperate with him. Amen? Lord, bless this people right now. Lord, I pray that they be of great influence in this city. You're doing something in this city right now. And Lord, we're grateful to be a part of it. And now I just pray, Lord, that as we release this congregation, we are releasing faithful men, faithful women. We are releasing them into this world to do great exploits for you. Lord, I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, guys, we'll see you in the middle of the week, many of you. If not, next Sunday we're going to have another great morning. God bless you. You are released.